We come toward the end of our study of evangelizing and discipling Muslims. And now we come to a very, very critical part of the study. I want to emphasize today on the transformational power of the gospel in the lives of the Muslims that we reach out to. It's all about transformation. It's not about a change of identity or character, although that, that is involved, or, uh, or a religious transformation in the sense of conversion. Many people I have seen convert to Christianity, but they're not transformed. They're not changed. They don't allow the gospel or the word of God to change their lives. So they remain perpetually immature. They remain weak. And in fact, I find some of these people become monsters in the church and they come and cause division and problems rather than become an asset, they become a liability. We need to address the transformation by beginning at the beginning. First of all, we know that God created us in His image. And when He looked at His creation, He said it was good. When he looked at the creation of man, he said it was very good. Because now the creation is complete through the creation of the crown of his creation that is human beings. We fast forward to chapter 3 of Genesis and we find the fall. Corruption entered into this world through sin, through the rebellion. And if you were to analyze the sin of Adam and Eve, it's not just about eating an apple or any other kind of fruit. There was a lot of things embedded in chapter 3. One of them is seeing themselves above God because Satan deceived human beings to saying that God doesn't really love you, doesn't care about you. He does not want you to eat this so that you will not be like Him. So he created the competitive, competitive spirit between man and God. So that man now is seeking to be like God in his own way, not through Jesus Christ. And a lot of religions emphasize on doing good works because then I can earn my salvation, I can become God, I have the power to change myself. God promised a Savior. We have covenants, covenants with Abraham, and then on with Isaac and Jacob, and throughout the centuries with David and with Solomon. And the messenger of the covenant is Jesus Christ, who came to redeem us from the uh, effects of the corruption that entered this world. What is Jesus doing? What is Jesus doing on the cross is not only removing our sins, but also restoring what was lost, restoring the image of God in us. And that requires a lifetime commitment to transformation, to be changed back into the image of God. And I've identified seven areas of transformation that are needed in the life of the disciple. Brothers and sisters, these things, I'm not only saying it to yourself, but that you may take it and teach it to the people you are discipling. I want to remind you 
that the reason the Son of God appeared was to dis destroy the work of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. That work is in the, of the devil is in the heart and mind and soul and culture of Muslims and non-Muslims the same. Every culture is tinted by sin. And it has experienced the corruption of the rebellion of Adam and Eve. Satan is the ruler of this world. And what we're doing is snatching people out of the hand of Satan and working on them to be restored into the glory that once they had before the fall. And so this is the process of transformation that we seek. <clears throat> Through Jesus Christ, people are turned away from the old ways to the new ways. And these are the seven areas of transformation. First is a spiritual transformation. I say spiritual because it's not really religious. It's not about religion. There are people who are satisfied when somebody walks in the door of the church and says, I want to be baptized, I want to become a Christian. I am not satisfied. I've had people come to me and I say, well, wait a minute. What do you understand? What does it mean to be a Christian? What is it to you? And I found out many of, the, many of them, they just don't want to be a Muslim and they can't find anything else but becoming a Christian. Spiritual transformation means regeneration. Because as we were created, and then we experienced corruption, we need to be recreated by the work of the Spirit in our lives. We become a recreation. Recreation means we have been created again by the Spirit of God. Jesus says there are two kinds of birth. There's a physical birth and there's spiritual birth. If you are only born from the physical, you'll always be physical and you'll experience both physical death and spiritual death. You need to be regenerated. In other words, you need to be born again by the Spirit of God. In John chapter 3, Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in these words. He said, you must be born again. In John chapter 1, before that, uh, the gospel says that uh, those who receive Christ and believe in Him become or are given the authority to become children of God, born not of a human desire of the flesh, but born of God Himself. We are born again by the Spirit of God. There's lots of scriptures. Romans 6, the entire chapter talks about that. 1 Peter 1.23 talks about us being born by the living Word. When the Word of God lives in us, it causes that birth. And then uh, in Galatians 3.26 talks about us being transformed from being slaves to being sons. And that's by the rebirth. So the first area of uh, transformation is spiritual. We must emphasize it. I have a story from a missionary who called me once and says, I want to volunteer to help. I was three years in, on the mission field. So she came over. She was in her 20s. And I asked her questions. She lived in Turkey for three years. 
What did you do? I taught English. Did you do any witnessing? No, we weren't allowed to do any witnessing. And as I began to ask questions, something didn't sound right. So I asked her this shocking question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And she began to cry. I said, did I offend you? I'm sorry. I just am trying to get to know you. She said, you didn't offend me. Nobody has ever asked me this question. In fact, I don't know if I am saved or not. So I had to lead a missionary who had been on the mission field three years to experience to being born again by the Spirit of God. So spiritual transformation uh, is important, not religious. The second transformation is transformation of the heart. And I'm only using Scripture here. I'm not bringing it from my books of anthropology or psychology or sociology. It's all from the Scripture. And I use the Scripture to, um, that use these words. Heart. In Ezekiel 11, 19 to 20, God says that He will give us a heart of stone, uh, sorry, a heart of flesh to replace the heart of stone. God wants us to be transformed in our hearts from being stubborn and rebellious to being soft toward Him. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, This is quoting uh, Jeremiah. It says, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the old covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. And this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and I write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. And this is the new covenant is that God will write His law into our hearts. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul admonishes the Ephesians to have an open heart toward God. In Romans 2, 29, speaks of a circumcision not of the flesh, but a circumcision of the heart. So the transformation is spiritual and a heart transform uh, transformation. This needs to be taught, even there's overlap, so that people will think of the various categories of their being and their character and person. The third area of transformation is transformation of the mind. Wow, this is, this is very difficult. Why? A Muslim comes with a mind filled with corruption, deception, falsehood, false teaching, false image of God, false image of salvation, and even uh, uh, man's nature. Because they don't believe in man being sinful by nature. 
man does sins and does good things and so on. Paul here says something very powerful in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I urge you, my brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Talking here about pattern of thought and lifestyle. Do not remain as you have been. And Paul many times says, this is not the way we are taught. These are things of the former ways. We, we learn the former things. But now we need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His perfect and pleasing will. Pleasing and perfect will. The transformation of the mind requires a, a shaking of our worldview, our philosophy of life, our image of God, our, our view of the world. When I came to Christ, and many people say the same thing, that even the sky looked more beautiful. The trees started having colors that I didn't see before. Why? Because God gives you a new mind. And through that you see the world differently. How do we help a Muslim change the way they think? What better way than to replace whatever they know about God by what they should know about the God in the Word of God? I remember a time when some Iranians asked me to teach them the Word of God. And I prayed for about two weeks before we were starting the Bible study. What shall I teach? And God led me, teach them about me. And I did a study from the whole Bible about the character of God. There were ten Iranians at the time. And the, the group grew to 35 in a couple of months. And all but one of them accepted Jesus as their Savior. And they became... Uh, they got baptized, became members of churches, and they spread all over the world. A study of God, when they come close to knowing God and His character, it renews their mind and puts away all of the things that they are objecting about God, about Christianity. We need to learn to transform. Not give them a message of salvation, only Jesus died for you, but to help them understand the whole theology of God. What is the purpose of God from creation to glorification, from Genesis to Revelation? <clears throat> In Philippians 2, uses the word mind. Have the mind of Christ, who later on says, who was in the form of God, became man, and that speaks of the, the uh, incarnation. Transformation of the spirit, transformation of the heart, transformation of the mind, are a lifetime commitment. Requires discipline, requires study, requires um, an intentionality about it, both by the teacher and by the disciple, so that we can day after day grow into God, to become like Him. 
It doesn't just happen automatically. It's the wrong theology to say, when you pray the sinner's prayer, you don't need to do anything else. Even though it's right in the area of salvation, we cannot do anything to save ourselves, but we need to do all of those things that are required by the law, by the help of the Spirit, so that we are sanctified and become like Him. The fourth area of transformation is transformation of character. Sadly, many uh, converts are weak. How do, how do you see the weakness? They fall into temptation too easily. They get angry too easily. They complain. So many of them. They come to me complaining about the littlest things. And I say to them, grow up. Grow up. Well, by telling them to grow up, they're not going to grow up. They need to grow up by being taught the Word of God. To be strong. In Ephesians uh, 6, verse 10, it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We know we are weak as human beings, but they need to get strong in the Lord by developing a relationship with God, by getting to know God, by loving God, by worshiping God, by reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God. They develop strong character, strong muscle, that they can withstand the difficulties in life, the sufferings, the hardships of life. In Colossians 1.28 even tells us, that we become perfect in Christ. Wow, can you be perfect? Actually, the Bible requires that we be perfect like God is perfect. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. <coughs> in chapter 1, verse 28, In the beginning of the chapter, it talks about the character of Jesus being in the image of God and a reflection of God's character. Then we say, we proclaim Him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all His energy, God's energy, which so powerfully works in me. Brothers and sisters, discipleship is hard work. It's commitment. It's labor. It's struggling. You pray for them. You teach them. You agonize with them. Many of them bring their problems to me. Many of them even have rejected me because I have challenged them in the area of morality. They reject me. And I continue to reach out to them, to love them, be patient with them. And later on, it pays off. Paul agonized. Amazingly, in almost all of his epistles, Paul says, I pray for you every day. Do you have a list of the people that you have led to Christ, or you served, you reached out to them, to help them uh, to grow through your prayers, and through your teaching and instruction, in order to bring them to becoming perfect in Christ? To present everyone perfect in Christ. When you go in front of glory, in front of Christ, you present your children to Him perfect. 
We cannot be perfect in our own strength, but at any single day, you can be perfect by being right with God and growing into Him day after day. We need to develop the character of the Christian to be strong, to be able to handle all things. In James chapter 1, we need to also inform and tell and teach these people. I had a Korean girl lately who falls apart every time there's a little problem. I had her memorize James 1, 2 to 4, that consider it all joy, pure joy, my brothers, when you fall into trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith pre, uh, produces perseverance, and perseverance works its work in you, that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. This is the uh, discipleship program that develops character. The fifth area of transformation is moral and ethical. Wow, how big this is and how difficult it is. This is perhaps the most difficult thing that I have experienced with people who have come from a very sex-oriented religion where every woman you see is a sex object. All the parts of the body are sex objects. I'm sorry to be graphic here, but I have lived that with people. We need to develop in them the holiness of heart and mind so that they may be transformed by the Word of God. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. We need to instill in the new believer that they are holy in the eyes of God and they need to remain holy by working towards that holiness with the help of the Spirit. There are things you can do to help yourself. We cannot be holy 100%, but we can grow day after day into holiness. Fellowship with believers helps. Accountability to people that you trust, to spiritual leaders. And um, the Bible requires for us, and it, many times, many scriptures I'm looking at here, contrast the old life with the new life. Galatians 5 talks about the acts of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And, and so we need to grow in this area. Put off the old, put on the new. Ephesians 5, 22 to 24. Do not be conformed to the former lust of the disobedient life. 1 Peter 1, 14. Number six is the cultural transformation. Culture? What about culture? Many people tell you that culture is neutral. I uh, beg to differ. The Bible does not speak of culture being neutral. One of the best uh, scriptures about this is in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, where it says that every human being in the time of Noah and all their behavior and all their mind and their heart was corrupt all the time. Corruption through the fall has entered every area of human culture. And therefore, culture also needs to be transformed. Christianity is counterculture. The newborn Christian works against the culture to change it in his own life and in his society, in his family, and in his nation. Culture transformation 
is um, like uh, moving you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Ephesians 5, 8 to 14 speaks about this. And we shall continue this study in the next class. And we will review all of the seven uh, areas of transformation.